Oh, that works there better. You go. Yes, we got it. We got it. <laughs> we got it. Perfect. <laughs> we have overcame technology. Overcame. <laughs> We are not going to let that uh, overpower us, at least not yet. Not yet. Um, thank you for coming on my show and talking to me. Um, this is Down the Rabbit Hole Podcast. It's, uh, you saw me on uh, matchmaker.fm. I mean, one of the cool things I've been using with them, mm-hmm. I've been using them for like a couple months now. And I've thought it was the coolest thing ever. You know, it was like basically like um, just an f- easy way to find people, you know. And all over. And, and just all <laughs> yeah. over. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever to like, just like connect with different people from all over the world. And mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not just stuck to my town. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. And I, so, right. and so, so really quick. Thank you again. Again, I can't thank you enough down the rabbit hole podcast. Also 98.3 KMWV uh, Salem, Oregon's uh, local community radio station. Uh, so we're playing all over the place and uh, you know, just love digging rabbit holes, talking to people and uh, getting to know, I like to call it like making friends on the dime, you know, uh-huh. uh, because at the end of the day, like, you know, we, it starts off as kind of like we're strangers, but at the end it was just like comfortable conversation. And it's just cool because I was reading your, your bio and well, for the most part, before I get into it, tell me who you are and what, like where, Tell me, like, tell us who you are. Um, who I am. Everyone's very curious, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't. They didn't read the little description. Right. So, <laughs> right, right. Um, first of all, I'm from New Jersey, uh, originally from New York City. Um, so the reason I'm kind of out there, and the reason I reached out to you is that I've kind of gotten really into mental health advocacy, and um, and kind of just getting the word out, breaking stigma, um, trying to make things better. For folks, I have a son who has a mental illness. I have a, a significant other who he has a mental illness as well. They both have bipolar disorder one and two. And I, to see how they're treated, to see what they go through is so bad. So it made me just say, I, I the little bit I can do to make a change in this world and to get the word out, I need to do it. I need to do it. That's true. Um, so roughly... I guess, how long have you and your significant, I'm very just going to jump into it. Like, how did you guys meet? And did you know about his uh, mental illness and how does that affect your relationship? Because I just want to go right into it. Cause that's, that's great. That's a a huge thing for me, especially like right. I've been in so many toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to call it a toxic relationship when you don't have control over, yeah. you know, mental illness. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, I did not know initially um i just thought he was very creative and just a really good person and um and it slowly came out you know he says you know by the way i have bipolar disorder i said you've got to be kidding me so does my son uh, my son's 19 and um we met about three years ago and i liked who he was i'm not gonna say it's been an easy road the whole time it's been sometimes downright difficult um mm-hmm. but I, I like him enough. I love him enough that I would willing to, to put up, you know, I put up with it. I don't want to say it that way. Willing to walk the journey with him. And when you, when you're talking to him, like, and, and you're like just having normal conversations mm-hmm. uh, and you see that creativity flow, mm-hmm. was there ever like a, a spark in your head that was like, there's something off, even though like, I don't want to say like bipolar disorder is wrong, mm-hmm. but did you notice like, Hey, something's a little questionable here. And where, what were the red flags for you, especially being in such a new relationship? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, because, you know, I, I, my son has bipolar too. They don't go into mania. They don't have manic episodes. They're more 
rage and depression. I never saw somebody in a manic place in my life um, and what it looked like where the enthusiasm was a little too much and everything was amplified by 500%. I said, what in the world is this? You know, why is he so happy? Why is he driving so fast? Why is he spending money too much? Why is he, you know, everything was, was too much. And that's when I said this, I don't even know what this is. He couldn't sleep. Um, what pacing at night, um, just, just things that didn't make any sense to me. And that's when I said, Oh boy, this is something I don't know. And, uh, and I did a lot of research and a lot of learning and a lot of talking to people and figured it out, but definitely red flags on that. Like, Oh boy, what do, what do I do with this? And there's a lot right. that go with it. You know, addictions go with it. Um, and I mean, all different kinds of addictions. Um, I mean, just there's a lot that goes with that component that I had no idea about. And no, and, and I, I, I've dated somebody who had uh, bipolar disorder as well. Um, it was still the same, very mild, no manic, at least until the end of it, but like not, not much manic. Uh, episodes and one of the things I did notice was like a, a huge addiction component when 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 they find something they're very into they get into it very heavily, very heavily. and there's no if ands or buts there's no gray area it's just black or white and again I, and then I started like I started like thinking maybe is it like um you know where ADHD comes into play or like OCD comes into play how do you distinguish this is the bipolar kind of thing and does that ever get scary for you because you know this is gonna be a permanent thing and how do you learn to not not cope with it but just like um make life whatever your normal is yeah um i know about adhd because my son has that so i know Uh he doesn't have adhd i know my son does um how do you make it normal that's a great question um, I'm trying and he's trying to make it, make a normal, um, but his normal and my normal are two different things. And I That's quote true. normal, I quote normal. Um, you know, he has, he's episodic, he's, he's stable. He does not have the manic episodes because of the proper medication now. Um, but he does go into depressions and we've had, we struggle more with depression than mania at this point. Um, which is hard on a relationship. Bipolar is very hard on a relationship because someone with bipolar, yeah, they, they withdraw. They don't want you to be in their depression. They, they are in their head. They are, they are ruminating. They are whatever they're doing. And that does not include their partner, what they're doing. Um, so it's a very isolating, um, disease. It pushes everybody away while they're in that place. So either they're out there being excessive and being almost dangerous in a manic state versus being insular and in bed and, and, and really pushing the world away as they walk through their, which is agony they're walking through, and then they come back to you. So it, it's a very hard thing. How did we get to a normal? I mean, I'm not going to say I'm perfect with it, but I do have expectations um mm-hmm. i do expect medication for my son and for him that's how i maintain my household there was a time when both of them were more erratic on medication and i said and we had an incident which ended up with um one of them being arrested one of them and and one going to um and 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 um going to the psych ward and hospitalization I mean, it was real bad for a period mm-hmm. and i said that's it 
we can't live in this house if everybody's not under control. If you're not medicated and you don't take your meds and you don't go to the doctor and you, you must leave. And that goes for my son or him. So they must take the medication religiously. Um, and if they see that the medication isn't working, needs to be changed, they must address it as soon as possible. You can't just walk around going into a worse place. Those are my conditions that I, that I will not budge on. You don't do that. You can't be in my house. Um, beyond that, I understand that it's not easy. I understand that every day is going to be different. I understand that their moods are, you know, they can go a little more up and down. Um, but I also understand, and this is the hardest thing to understand, is underneath that, I know both of them love me. It's their way. It's just, it's just that's, you know, they may not present it all the time because they can't. But I know, and they tell me when they are in a better frame of mind, that doesn't go away. It's unwavering. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you have to understand because sometimes you will not feel it or see it. And, and one of the things I guess, uh, I don't know, have you ever felt like when you're with them, especially your significant other, you know, and you see them uh, displaying, you know, their actions, mm -hmm. do you ever feel like at one point, like maybe you're the one going crazy, like you're also <laughs> bipolar because there's been like, again, there's good and the bad. And at least for me, there would be some yeah. times where it's just like, now I'm questioning myself a hundred percent of the time now. Uh, like, is there something wrong with me? Am I not the one able to handle it? How do you handle that type of self doubt when it comes to, you know, yourself? Cause your mental health is just as important as everyone else. And you're the, you're the glue here in the family. Right. Um, I, I don't question myself. I question my decisions. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I, I kind of question like, do I want to deal with this? I mean, I have to deal with my son, you know, where else is he going to you know, go and what's going to happen? Do I want to be in this? Like, and I have a question that like, do I deserve this um, over and over again? And then I kind of walk through it and say, you know, he's in there. He's in there. He's yeah. And, and that's what kind of gets me through it. So I don't kind of question me. I question, I mean, sometimes I question things I do. Sometimes I'll maybe I'll say like, you know, snap out of it. And I know that he can't. Um, yeah. And that's because of my frustration. I'm a human being too. I have feelings and needs and wants and I'll do that. And he'll kind of get a little mad and maybe it'll push him a little deeper into it. Or sometimes it'll make him kind of think about it and force himself out a little further. Um, but generally I don't blame myself. Um, it's a choice. Um, I've tried free will. I could, you know, not be around people that have bipolar, but it's, it's okay. I consider them to be, they're both, Good people, good people. So it's and I guess, uh, sorry, it, it's just like um, I guess thinking about it because you're right. They're 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 still, still your significant other, they're still your son, that's still your you know your loved ones, you know. Mm -hmm. And do you ever like I don't know, ever feel like it's not? You, and we're not going to blame you at all. But how do you stay so strong? Like what? Like like and 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 how do you how do you just kind of like you are the glue. How do you handle that? I'm just like very, because it takes a strong, like for every strong man, there's a strong woman. Right. And so in the case of the man is, is, has diagnosed bipolar disorder, that just says numbers on you, you know, does that any type of pressure in your household? Um, I mean, it can be. Um, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm the breadwinner of the household. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has troubles maintaining work. 
Um, now mm-hmm. he's, he's actually doing work, which is helping other people that have mental illnesses and that he's very good at, um, where he spent years doing accounting and he couldn't maintain constant employment with that. He would stress out or whatever else. So I kind of said, um, I want you to work part-time. Um, mm-hmm. Why put yourself through that? Why, why set yourself up for failure? Work part-time and do things that you like to do or you're good at and do them successfully. He has this part-time job helping other people and he hasn't missed one day of work. So it's kind of knowing who they are. Uh, my son, for example, went to college, not for him. He goes to a trade school. He's ADHD. He has bipolar, hands-on, and he is successful at that. It's kind of knowing what's going to work. How does, how does, uh, how does that play into like, do you, are you guys still very close together, especially with your son or does it do you, you know, teenagers are always going to be distant. Yeah. Do you feel that distance from him or do you, you know, does this in a weird way kind of like bring you closer together as a family? Um, initially it was, it was um, hard with everything. Yeah. It's just the volatility and they weren't both weren't stable. Um, now it's kind of, um, we have an understanding and they have an understanding of each other, um, which they didn't have initially. Like, like my son could say, Oh, he's, you know, he's in a depression. I could see he's going into a depression or he's in the middle of it. And, you know, my significant other will say about my son, he'll say, you know, yeah, he's, he's not doing good. He's, he's on a, you know, and they could see it in each other more. They know when they're going into that place. So they're, they're very, they made them, made them more aware. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm of somebody besides themselves and more sympathetic. And also the, the biggest thing it taught both of them is to see what it looks like. And more my significant other, even that he looks at him and he goes, wow, that's, that's what it looks like. I say, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's never seen somebody up close and personal, you know, that, you know, sometimes, you know, he's just, you know, like doesn't care about his job or just stress out and want to quit or, you know, just how he reacts to things. And he's never seen another person up close and personal to this degree who struggles like he does. And he, he's kind of learning it from the end. Also, he's seeing how his family struggled with him because he sees my reaction to things, like how hard it is on your family. When he mm-hmm. sees me like, oh, he's in such a, you know, he's not in a good way. And, and he sees me as a parent trying to help him and how, it, how it's hard on a family. I'm not going to lie. When they're not in the best place, the responsibility falls to the other family members. I have two other teenagers and me. And when one or two of them are not in the highest place of functioning, everything they do goes to us. Their roles, if they, you know, if they put out the garbage or they food shop or they do laundry, they don't do that when they're not in that place of functioning. So, yeah. And then as far as your, as far as your children, how do you, when did you find out? Like, how does that, what was the process like that? Because did, prior to the, your children and then your children being, your child being diagnosed, uh, did you have any prior history? Like, does this run in the family or is this just like, it just kind of all hit you? My sister. Um, I don't know. I mean, back then, um, I don't know if it was easily as diagnosed, but my sister had very similar character traits and symptoms that he had and she never got diagnosed um back in back when we were younger um she was Mm -hmm. very violent etc um so it probably runs in my family um i didn't expect him to you know i didn't expect it 
I just knew something as he was, you know, when he was young, he was kind of off, you know, interested in school, walking around the classroom and stuff. And then it kind of ADD kind of fell out of that. And then he was very defiant, oppositional defiance came next. And then he was threatening suicide um, at about 12, 13, um, ended up in, you know, psychiatric um, I pulled his, you know, I, I stopped him from a suicide attempt. I mean, stuff like that happened. And then the next diagnosis came behind that uh, bipolar disorder. And that's tough because, you know, obviously you, don't, you always just want your children to strive and you just see him in a hurt place just kind of kills you too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like how, it just goes back to the thing, how strong you are as a, as, as a breadwinner, a woman, just, it just, and as a sister too. Um, you were mentioning your sister uh, was very violent and showed those same characteristics. Um, are you guys still very close? Is she still uh, any, how did, how's your sister on, on that? Especially when it was at a time when yeah. diagnosis wasn't a thing. No. So. Um, my sister and I are very estranged. Um, we don't talk. Um, she did so many things to my mother, my family. Um she was not medicated. She was not receiving treatment or anything, but she, very destructive behavior. Um, you know, I just can't condone that. And mm-hmm. so much has gone on for me to go back and uh, patch that relationship up. Plus, I don't know if she's even stable and I wouldn't want right. that around my family, my kids, my son, you know, and I kind of use her as like a, you know, a story to tell my son as a, you know, you don't want to be that. You don't want to do that. You know, there are stories here that are not great and you, you want to keep control, be in your medication. And there's no shame in that until we can get a cure. There is no shame. And, uh, and yeah. Did you, I mean, you were mentioned, do you think there's a cure? Is there, that, like, that's, I mean, that's, we're going to jump high on that one. Do you think there's a cure for this? Cause at, at the, I guess it's just kind of explaining it to me like I'm a five-year-old, but it's, it's, it's just like a molecular imbalance in your brain, right? And, yeah. and, and it's, just, it's just like an imbalance, right? It is. They don't know. I spent a lot of time reading a lot of neurological journals and, and a lot of different things on it. They don't know even what causes it. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, they think they know kind of what part of the brain it is. But there are so many different components that factor into bipolar disorder. They don't even know. They don't even know what it is. They don't know if it's um, an energy disorder, a sleep disorder, a seizure disorder. They don't even know. We are very far from a cure. And folks that are doing the research on it, um, in order to find one, they would have to work together. And they kind of work in silos where they won't work with each other. And it's just impossible. I mean, just right now, we don't have the science behind it to do any kind of a cure. Don't even know where it is in the brain. I was just reading a study um, yesterday. They don't even know. It's so many places in the brain are impacted by it. They don't even know. And um, even what triggers it, they, you know, what I was reading is that some folks may have all of, you know, the parts of their brain uh, you know, that, that could make it happen and they'll never be triggered in their lifetime with it. So they don't know if it's a stress that triggers it. Family, um, diet, they don't know what triggers somebody and somebody doesn't have it and would have, you know, I mean, like basically I could have it and it just will never trigger in me. 
Um, so they don't even know. And do you, do you get worried about like the 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 like the links that uh, bipolar disorder and then like Alzheimer's and like those type of when mm-hmm. once you get older and older like those links that that have been mentioned um does the fear get bigger or is it can you even call it a fear anymore because it just sounds like you're handling it but is there a fear now i worry about the more episodes you have in a lifetime with bipolar disorder the more depression and manic episodes you have the more damage is done to your brain um you need medication the medication actually doesn't cure anything but what it does, almost like a blanket over it, so it doesn't make more damage. So the object of it is at least don't make more damage. Where in right. my son's case, he has been consistently, for the most part, on medication. So I've kind of curtailed his damage, and he's done his curtailed his damage. My significant other has spent years on and off medication. His damage is he probably has more damage. Um, now he's on his, the medication, but he seems to he struggles more with it because he's been years of on and off medication or in and out of treatment. Um, So it's harder for him. I worry because bipolar is a progressive disease um, and it goes more to depression as it goes, as you get older, I just worry about its progression and I'm trying, that's where I'm trying to jump in with him and make sure that doesn't even get worse. And that's my Where's where's the where's the target for your your advocacy? It's more towards children or adults already, because I, I'm all I'm worried about is you know people treat adults as you're too far gone and that's kind of it. Right. There really isn't much resources for adults mm-hmm. other than medication and you know some help, mm-hmm. uh, at least controlling. So like, where do you feel like the target should be if it isn't with adults? It should be with children. Children, it's- yeah. And that's really where my focus is. I mean, I'm on a, a board of directors of a large agency in New Jersey. And um, my focus is, is kids. If you get them treated right and they have programs, at least they have knowledge, they're on a path. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying I don't think adults deserve it. They do too. Um, yeah. But my focus is, you know, usually people get diagnosed with bipolar in their late teens and 20s. Um, so they're the ones that really we need to grab. For, you know, and get them into treatment. Um, they're the ones that I, I worry the most about because otherwise, you know, like my Mike, my sick of another who's walking around, you know, bouncing around for years on and off medication, no one really caring. And it's done damage, definitely done damage to his ego, to his psyche, to his work history, enormous damage, relationship, very damaging. And how do you relate that also all, you know, with uh, like the links with, especially like the homeless, because the homeless population is uh, a lot of them do have mental issues and a good majority of homeless. If you, you know, see them around, they do have, you know, bipolar disorder and you're because most people can't hold down a job or they can't, they get too addicted to whatever addiction they have. And people just see it as a, you're you're a scumbag, you're an addicted to something and that's what it is. And you're, you're done. Um, how do you feel about those links with, with the homeless? Cause that, that just, yeah, the numbers are increasing a lot. Absolutely. It is everywhere. And I agree that a lot of the people that are homeless and I, the agency that I'm on the, not the board of directors for, that's the big thing that they, we go out in the community and, and 
find homeless because a lot of the homeless people, yes, do have a mental illness. It's um, and they need to be or addiction issues. Mm-hmm. So I agree. It's a huge problem. And you're right. They, a lot of them do have a mental illness that are homeless and that if you, we get, we have the proper treatment and we have the right supports for people who are mentally ill. And my big thing is we don't have the supports for their families. So, you know, if I'm not here, who's going to take care of my son? Mm-hmm. Who would take care of my son? I mean, he, you know, his family doesn't want him anymore. His family, they tried to help him and gave it the best shot they had. They don't want him. He has nowhere to go. He would end up, he could end up in a homeless shelter. I don't know where he would end up, but it wouldn't be good. Um, So there is no supports for people who do help, who do care. Um, So a lot of people, a lot of families give up. And that's why those folks end up on the streets. And uh, what's it like in New Jersey? What's 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 it like over there on on the resources aspect of it? Because as far as like I live in Salem, Oregon, so we're out here, and we do have a good chunk of as and in the Portland area too. Mm-hmm. The homeless situation is really bad, and it's getting worse. And I feel like resources can be scarce. Um, I mean, half the battle is people. If you don't want to get help, you can't force them to get help. But then also the resources. Uh, how is your nonprofit? Uh, helping that because you work for a nonprofit as well, right? That's the agency you were mentioning. Oh, I'm on the board. I'm on the board of directors of it. I actually uh-huh. work in my during the day. I work in pharmaceutical. Um, okay. So, but yeah, what they do, yeah, they're definitely involved with homeless. They definitely they do a lot of placements, trying to get people places to live. Spend a lot of time on that. They case manage folks. A lot of programs transitioning, transitioning, transitioning people to work getting them benefits. I mean, there is so much to be done, but you got to, you got to find them. And yes, they got to want to go, you know, they convince them to get into, go into a program, talk to account, you know, talk to a case manager to try to help you get set up. These folks don't even have, you know, they need benefits. They need health insurance. They need, they they need a place to live. I mean, and the, the wait list for a lot of these places to get folks a place to live, especially in areas where it's higher, you know, high, higher cost of living, very hard. It's very difficult. Um, you know, getting them food. I mean, it's just, it's a huge problem. It's an absolutely huge problem. And it's, and to me, it's at the bottom of everybody's to-do list in government. Yeah. Um, I think that even, and I'm in, you know, I'm on the board, et cetera. I mean, I think they're doing a great job. I really do. But I think, there is so much more to do that we're not doing. I'm saying in, in ev- everywhere in this country, in the world, I mean, we're just not doing enough. You know, people are afraid to say there's something wrong with them. People are afraid to get help. Families have nowhere to turn. Um, you know, there's some, there's services, there's services that you can get, but you have to find them. And if you're sleeping outside in a box, you have better hope somebody walks past you or you're going to die. And no, that's hundred percent, hundred percent. And nobody cares. People are afraid of the homeless. People are afraid of the mentally ill. They'll walk past you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to help you. They don't want to talk to you to them. You know, you're, they're afraid and homeless people. I mean, homeless people, but mentally ill people are more of a threat to themselves than they are to others. They really are. Um, you know, bipolar has the highest of the mental illnesses. It has the highest suicide rate. They're not going to hurt you. For the most part, they're not going to hurt you. So, and another thing I always like to tell people is it's not contagious. 
<laughs> you're not getting. Oh uh, yeah. You're not catching it. You, it's You'll like you be surprised how many people think that. Hundred <laughs> percent. You're not catching it. Like, so just me to sit with somebody and talk to them. I'm not walking away with bipolar disorder, um, but I can maybe talk somebody through something, or you know, come up with an idea to teach them how to cope with something. I don't know how to make the world care about them. It, it seems like your agency that you work with is very caring and very yeah, about making change. What what would be the next step on your agenda? Like if you were to have a whiteboard with things to accomplish, uh, what is the next couple of steps in that plan? It doesn't have to be a great detail, but just right. where, where do we go next from here, especially with what you have and the resources you do have? Um, I mean, I have my opinion and they probably, you know, the agency in totality has another, has their own views. I mean, they're, they're spending a lot of time on suicide prevention. That's mm-hmm. the big thing now is suicide prevention. Um, my personal opinion is the problem starts way before suicide prevention. If you have get if you get to suicide prevention, you've missed the boat. You haven't gotten to the beginning of their illness. You're already to the point where they're so dire that suicide is the option. So to me, oh, interesting. I haven't thought about it like that. You know, to me, I mean, and I'm just one person on a board, and I have my own opinions on things. I live with it every day in and day out. We have to get to them soon. And you have to get to them early. And that's why my thing is teenagers, people in their 20s, you know, first diagnosed, family support so they don't get thrown in the street when they become too difficult. Um, you know, definitely the families need supports. More case management, just, just more hands-on, more hands-on. Um, but really, it's the supports. It's the supports in the community. That's the key. More support groups. Um, support for families. That's where I think we'll stop a lot of the addiction and a lot of the homelessness. They have nowhere to turn besides the streets. And, you know, if you can't think straight because you're in an episode, you're not going to go get a job. You're not going to try to go get Medicaid. You're not going to try to find food. You're just going to do whatever it takes to feel good. And if that's drugs, you're going to do drugs. They want to feel good. They self-medicate. Um, that's the only thing that makes that calms their mind. If they're not on medication, not in treatment, not in therapy, not with supports, is they will try to escape their own head. So- Was that something with your loved ones too? Where they Did they use drugs as a part of their addiction process? No, actually. <laughs> they, what was their addiction? Um, there were other. Um, I mean, my 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 son has medical marijuana card because, as uh-huh. part of uh, bipolar disorder and ADHD, there is a gap because ADHD you need to be, you know, on your brain needs to be turned on, and with bipolar disorder, your brain kind of needs to be connected and maybe a little more turned down with the emotion. So there's a, they're kind of conflicting medications and, and plus with anxiety in there, um, they are using medical marijuana for people with bipolar disorder and ADHD. Isn't it interesting how mental, mental health has such so many gray areas and you mentioned, you know, four different things and it's just one big gray area because you like, he doesn't necessarily fall into this is what I am. No. Um, how are the gray areas like? How do how does one like navigate through that? That's just a lot. 
That's a lot. And yeah, it's when they have comorbidity, which means more than one thing at a time, it's very difficult um, because not only can't my son concentrate without medication as much, but he also then would have extreme emotion on top of it. So he would get completely frustrated and his emotions would turn into rage. So he couldn't concentrate. So he couldn't get an assignment done. And as a result, it would become over emotional and, and, and violent. So it's, it's very difficult because they run this, the gamut and you don't know where one begins and one ends, but that's all, you know, it's all part of who he is. So instead of treating ADHD, bipolar, you have to kind of look at it. And this is a new thing for me, even we're looking at it in the totality of who he is and where mm-hmm. gaps in his, his treatment. And, and it looked like medical marijuana was a good thing for him. To do, I did not want him out getting off the streets. Um, it had to be what he needed, the type he needed, and I supported him for that. That he got what he needed, and it helps with his anxiety, helps with the mood. Um, still takes his medication. You have to still take your medication, um, but it is it is helpful um, for someone like him to take, and maybe not somebody else. It just so happens he has the comorbidities that it will help. And and I I think that that's very like bold too. I, I like that that, that it's, there's ways of navigating through it and ways of just like understanding it. Even if we don't understand it, you understand it. Um, and I guess that's why I was so excited to talk to you because you're you're you you're a normal person. You're just a <laughs> like a regular person who who has experience. And honestly, I live off and I thrive off experience. I don't live off of. Uh, educators teaching me things. I don't thrive off of that. I thrive off of real life situations. And I mean, if you were to, if there's one thing with, or there's a couple things, even with another mother, another sister out there, who's just kind of frustrated with her life, what, what kind of advice would you give to another regular human being who is starting to see red flags for their loved ones, whether it's a child or, you know, they, like their partner, um, what would you tell them? Cause you know, the, your story is probably like a lot of people's story. Yeah. Um, what I would tell them is you have to get, talk to them and, and they have to get help. And that's not yeah. so easy because Especially if they don't want to help themselves. huh? Well, they do want to help themselves, but they're, they don't see, and that's part of their disease is they don't see the, oh, okay. the gravity of it. And there's actually a term for it, but they do not see that they really have, what they have so that's not that they don't want it they don't even see what they mm-hmm. have and that and I, that i see with clarity in my house they don't know the gravity of what they have so you have to really kind of get in there and explain this is what i see another mm-hmm. thing i would recommend is if you can go to the doctor with them because they don't have clarity with what they're what they're what they are presenting and go mm-hmm. in and say what they are presenting. You will get a better outcome if you say it. Then they go by. The- wow, that you go with them. And I've been. I go my son to therapy to um, psychiatry, and I'm starting to talk to my significant others. But it took a lot of work because there's a lot of stigma, and you don't, you know, and you don't want to come off as. And I hate this word. And I don't use it. Oh, I'm crazy. Um, and and they try to kind of hide it too. So partially it's, they don't have the clarity and partially it's shame. 
And I try to, one thing I do in my house is I say there is no shame. That's what I was thinking. Like how much of it is shame, especially like with the media and everything and like being more open to so like to mental health checks and everything. Like I, like I text my loved ones all the time constantly uh, at least once a week, you know, Mm -hmm. like at least like a couple of people that, that, you know, mental health check where you at one in 10, even if it's a little bit, I want to check up on you. Uh, Where are you at? That's a great um, thing versus- to do, by the way. That's excellent that you do that. And I, I, I say that in my house. I go, well, scale of one to 10, what's your mood? I, yeah, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? And they'll tell me five, four, three, whatever. And I know if the number is kind of getting low, I have to look out, you know, and kind of p- see if I can help or whatever. But that's a great thing to do, people, is what number? And so with with everything you've done so far, how many years has this been, this, this, this been, a passion for you and an advocacy for um six seven years six seven years yeah and that's when like your son also was diagnosed or your, your yeah. was it your son i don't know if you clarified was it your son yeah my son my son yeah yeah he's yeah. first diagnosed bipolar with, with bipolar disorder uh about about 12 13 almost 13 years 12, 13. that is very young yeah that is very young no yeah and i guess like i i think back to when i was 12 or 13 um I don't know. I guess it's just I, I I was very rebellious too, and it's just when when is that line? Mm. You know, where's the parents' line? Where was your line? Is I mean, we there there has to be a line, right? Where you saw that you're like, this is it. This is the one. Well, he ended up paralyzed. He threatened suicide in school. Was that when that happened? That, yeah. So mm. he ended up in the hospital, and what happened? How I really got into it is I saw the conditions. Uh-huh. Um, in, in it, and I never really saw them up front, close and personal in a psych ward and how, you know, there's no windows, no, there's no strings in their clothes because they're afraid they're going to commit suicide by strangling themselves. Um, you don't allow visitors maybe once a week, you get a visitor uh, for two hours or an hour. Um, there is violence in, the, in, in these, these psychiatric places. There is, they are treated subhumanly. I'll be honest. It is so abhorrent. I can't even tell you. So when I saw that and I saw my son in that, those, that place treated like back when they did, when they had the sanitariums, mm-hmm. I said, this is, this is something has got to change. <laughs> this yep. is absolutely awful. We consider ourselves modern day. And this is the way we treat people who have a disease. Would you treat people with diabetes this way? Would you treat someone with cancer this way? Um, it is just awful. That's when I said, I, 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 you know, I can't change everybody, but maybe if I can make three people think or 20 people think, I have to do that. And I mean, I've been through the school system with him through public education. I mean, the stories I could say, I had a principal of his high school say, you're, you know, bipolar disorder doesn't affect education. I had to have a psychologist come in and explain to the administration of a high school and a big high school what how bipolar disorder affects learning they had no idea wow so i how did that play out that played out well i just wanted to get him he's not learning disabled i wanted to get him a 504 plan extra supports you know extra time on tasks more time for assignments etc and they would not give it to him in middle school and i was fighting for him to get one in high school and they said no 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 finally a psychologist had to go in and explain it to them 
Um, and I walked out with a 504 plan, <laughs> but it took a lot. I had the principal of that high, same high school. And I was saying, you know, the problems my son was having, and he pulled me aside and he said, and I quote him, he said, your son will amount to nothing. You might as well pull him out of school now. But um, he's an educator, he's a public agent. Why is correct. he doing that? That's correct. Um, I, of course, I went to the superintendent. Nothing happened. Um, took two half years later, another superintendent came in and demoted him. Must have saw he had that behavior of the people. So my son, by the way, did graduate high school. My son's in a very good trade school, and he's going to go back to college next year. So how could you say that and judge it based on, you know, because a person has a diagnosis? And, mm-hmm. and when he was 13, another administrator said to me when the whole thing was going down, my son told somebody he was suicidal. He said to me, I don't want to sit next to your son. I'm afraid of him. So my son said he, he said he was suicidal. He said he was homicidal. So um, what things I've been told, I mean, are just a disgrace. And these are educators. So, I mean, the thing is, what the agency that I'm on the board of, they go out and they do, you know, mental health first aid going into schools. That was my big push with them is you need to get in the schools and not part of the district, but separate um, because the kids don't talk to guidance counselors in school. They don't trust them. My son never did either. Um, they talk to the lunch lady. They talk to the, the, the guards and, um, and they'll talk to, you know, the other folks who work in the school, but they're not going into the guidance office. That's going to get a call back to their parents. So we need to have in the schools separate mental health, a separate mental health office. Maybe a person there, a person goes three times a week, you know, affiliated with outside facilities. And where my agency is starting to do that, it's needed all over. Where these kids can walk right in in high school or even middle school and talk to somebody that has no affiliation to the school district who has to then report, you know, if a kid goes into the guidance office in a school, they're going to call, you know, Department of Youth Services. You're going to have them at their door. You're a bad parent because your child has a mental illness. I've seen it so many times. Um, So the kids won't go there. And in my honest opinion, they shouldn't go there. Um, I've seen it too many times happen where a kid with issues goes into those offices and walks out. And the next thing you know, they go home and there's, there's um, the youth services at the parents' door because the kid has a mental illness. Really? <laughs> That's not the answer. That is not the answer. And- so you're already struggling with a child with a problem. And on top of that, you're struggling with the state breathing down your throat who doesn't understand. And I guess playing devil's advocate here on, on that spectrum, you know, where do the resources, because funding is a big problem too. How does agencies like your agency get the funding for that? Because they can just easily say, well, we don't have funding. That's why we're not doing it. Right. What could, when, what would you think people can do to kind of help those, those situations out? Cause money, I guess it sucks. I hate that it does, yep. but it makes the world go around. And if you don't have the proper funding, you basically don't have an argument at the end of the day, how could people help? And what, what should we do as far as that end of it? Yeah, that is a problem. I mean, there's a lot of, we get a lot of funding from from the state, um, funding from local counties, funding, um, just general funding, you know, from folks, contributions, funding from grants. But what you need to do is speak to your your, your local politicians. Uh, I've done that. I'm not going to tell you that that works 100%, but if you don't do it, they don't even, you're not even on the radar with them. 
Yeah. And just tell, I mean, I've told local politicians my story. Um, we need help in these schools. Um, you know, this is, and it, honestly, they looked at me and these are politicians that are kind of pro mental illness. Like I had two heads, like it was so, that was such a, an area where what a waste of money with these people. Um, I'd rather spend money on something that was going to make me get reelected. The mentally ill, who cares, mm. you know, just put them in the outside. Um, it's, it's really hard. It's really, really hard, but really the more that people scream about it, the more that people get out there and spread the word and they need to spread the word for their loved ones that struggle, the ones that struggle with mental illness, I'm not going to go out there and do it. They're really not. They, they, they are struggling. They're all, you know, they're, 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 you know, they can be good. They can be even, they can be stable. They're also stigmatized. They're also shamed. So the folks who need to get out there are not, I, I don't even want them out there. They can go out there if they, you know, if they want to, but I prefer the advocates get out there and speak on their behalf. Not because I don't want them to speak, but because they don't get the respect that other people will get. And that is the sad truth. You know, I'll make a phone call. I'll call a psychiatrist. Uh, my significant other the other day, he had to get a psychiatrist on the phone. He's kind of changing meds around a little bit of an issue with it. He called three times and he said, it's an emergency. You need to call. They ignored him. I called. I said, if you don't call him back or call us back, I am going to call your CEO. I said, because this is unacceptable. He got a call back within a half an hour. Why didn't he get a call back? And that bothers me that he didn't get that call back because anybody who calls with a psychiatric emergency should get a call back and not three days. Oh, 100%. So for me to call, because I know what to say, because you're afraid, because you think I'm of sound mind and he isn't, is unacceptable, <laughs> totally unacceptable to me. Um, so that's why I say I want the advocates out there too, because we're seeing clearly what goes on, clearly how they're treated, clearly how services are lacking. And we need to get out there and really say unacceptable that we can't find a therapist for three months, six months, that there's a shortage of therapists. Um unacceptable. There's no support groups for families or not enough. The NAMI support, there's not enough of these support groups. There really isn't. Um, there's not enough funding. I mean, we got to get out there. And, and that's really what it boils down to is stop hiding. Stop hiding everybody and stop hiding these folks in your house or throwing them out so they're in the gutter. Got to get out there. Make a change. And I mean, on, on that note, like I, I think it always starts with just that one person. And even if it's not you, you just sparked at least three people. Like you said, and it's like, that's, that's kind of the goal here. And that was kind of the goal the whole time. Like we might not have big platforms, but the voices are so loud. And if anyone can get something out of it, that's more important to me than the views. And then the, you know, getting, you know, the recognition for it, but at least one person, one normal person out there, who's just like, I feel this. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling what's going on. I need that change too. Yep. Uh, it's all about being a community here. Even if you're in New Jersey or Salem, Oregon, like you are, uh, we're all still on the same team here. And as far as like, you know, at least one of us knows somebody who is suffering from bipolar disorder. Or any mental illness. I mean, I just use that because that's my frame of reference. But if they're struggling with anything, it could be, you know, any mental illness, be the advocate, be out, you know, get out there. And don't be ashamed. And That's what I would tell anybody. There is no lose shame. the shame. There is no shame. There is no shame in being. I mean, people have told me with my 
my my boyfriend here like why initially when i was with him why are you with him he's got too many problems um you know you deserve better don't you have any ego being with him i said it has nothing to do with ego i said first of all i can support myself i don't need someone to support me second of all it's who he is as a person so i should throw him away because he struggles with 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 this disease I couldn't even understand. I could wrap my head around it. I'll be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. Why people would say that about somebody. I, I just couldn't. I mean, you like who you like. And, and honestly, I like them not because of the disease. I like them despite the disease. Um, so <laughs> I just don't get I'm, I'm, and uh, And with that too. So, I mean, I don't want people to think like, yes, it is a big gray area. Uh, on all aspects, whether it's the funding or actually handling mm-hmm. uh, the disease. Uh, and with your unit that you have there in your household, uh, there is some good things. What, like, what, what's good in your life right now? What's, what's mm-hmm. good right now in your life that you can just, you know what? This is good. Um, you know, I'll tell you what's great. I can just speak for bipolar people. They're, they're bipolar disorder, they're, they're very creative. My son is an unbelievable drummer. And I listened to him drum. Um, he was, you know, wasn't the best student in school, but he was on his, the marching band in school. He was the captain of the, the drumming and, you know, and just listening to him drumming um, and his music is just phenomenal. Um, you know, my significant other, I mean, he's, he's, he's very spiritual, very creative. He's got a beautiful singing voice. Um, we go dancing. We take dance lessons. I mean, he's just, he's a great person. He's a great person. So what's good in here? My house is an artsy, creative place. And that is, it's, it's great. It's really great. And, and just take that stigma is not just a negative house filled with medicated people. You know what I mean? That's what, I think that's honestly what people think half the time is when you say that, especially, you know, not just one person, but multiple people in the house, it's just a medicated house. There's not y'all like, this is a creative uplifting environment oh absolutely absolutely um i'm not saying 100 percent of the time but woodhouse is but generally i mean we are all about you know writing speaking you know uh my significant other did stand-up comedy for years um just very creative just really really we actually met through that um doing that so just really it's it's a super creative house and um yeah, very musical. All my kids are musicians. So a lot of music going on in here. And um, yeah, you can't judge by that. That's, uh, that's not their personality, their medication, believe it or not. That's just kind of controlling the blips. That's mm-hmm. They are. That's not who they are at all. I mean, you know, they're really fun, really fun people, good hearts. And yeah, that's what my house is. That's what my house is. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of winding things down. Thank you so much for talking to me, just giving me some insight into your life and giving some insight because I'm I'm familiar with that one relationship I was in. But if anything, like I still don't know anything. I can say I can't say I know anything about it. And it's just kind of refreshing to see a normal person's take on it, especially you know, like the stories you mentioned. I've I've seen that firsthand myself. And it's really, I always felt like it was my fault that relationship ended, but it's not my fault. It's nobody's fault in that aspect. 
they can't change that. They couldn't have changed that. So it was kind of, it, it is really refreshing to know like that for me, at least there was another person who's uh, who understands this thing a lot more than I do. And, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like with all the negativity attached to it, it does get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And no relationship is perfect and no relationship, well, relationships have up and downs and, mm-hmm. you know, people get sick and you know uh, you know people fight and people <laughs> you know it's just it's part of part of life you know I, I always tell people i mean i'm on a lot of support walls for bipolar i talk to people try to help people and if i told you on these support walls how terrible they talk about people with bipolar you you would just be horrified how disgusting it is they they and i always tell them if that's the way you're going to treat somebody who needs care at times you shouldn't be in a relationship with anybody for that matter how do you know wow, how do you yeah. know anybody somebody you know your significant other could get sick and have a disease have cancer have something wrong with them what do you bail on them the minute they get sick it's the same thing either you ride it out or you get out um and i choose to ride it out um not saying it's easy and it's not for folks who like an easy easy ride this is not an easy ride but it's such a rewarding ride. And I have to say my son and him are my biggest supporters when it comes to my journey with this. They will tell me what they feel. They will tell me, go out there and make it happen. And they are my biggest supporters, even my, my, especially my son. He, he says, you know, go out there. This is, you know, we, we need it. Go out there. And uh, so not easy. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it is rewarding. Half the battle is the journey. And I love that. And I try to tell people that all the time. Yeah, definitely. I think half the battle is the journey, the actual. That's right. That's right. So, so thank you so much for, again, for keeping me in your life and, and like letting me like a glimpse into what it's mm-hmm. like. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for um, just like. I'm mind blown a little bit because I, I, I do feel like, like I, you need to explain things to me like a five-year-old. And so getting more in, in tune of what it is definitely gets me more interested in finding out myself. And, and I think we all need that little, that little, that little spark to find new things out. And this is my little spark. And this is what I use this outlet for. Um, and so uh, thank you for everything. You're the best. And uh, you're listening to 90, 98.3 KMWV. Uh, Salem, Oregon, uh, community radio news. That's where it's at down the rabbit hole podcast really quick. Again, tell us who you are. And if you have any shameless plugs or where we can find your social media or your agencies, you're more than welcome to tell us where we can find any, any resources. This is your shameless plug. Um, you can definitely go to my blog and that's minding mental illness.com. And, um, you'll have all sorts of things on there about it. And I talk about it and I talk about, you know, different symptoms in my life and their life. And I discuss their journey uh, as well as all other stuff that I'm doing out there for advocacy. Uh, and anybody wants, you know, wants me to talk at something or to be able to reach me. It's all on that blog. Awesome. Thank you so much again. I just can't stop praising you. I think that you're a very strong, very strong woman. And so uh, if, if you ever want to have another conversation, does this is cool. Cause I'm, I'm learning so much about bipolar disorder and, and, and definitely kind of gives me some insight on what that is or mental illness in general. Uh, it's definitely one of those big topics that have been on the show a lot. And I still feel like I have a lot more to learn.